Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 as we continue in a four-part series that we are doing on restoring our calling. Bethel Christian Fellowship is called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. We are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Embedded within that particular um, phrase are three strands of DNA that speak to our specific calling here as a congregation. House speaks to us of hospitality. And hospitality speaks to us of being a place to belong. So Millie uh, very helpfully kind of uh, backtracked over that ground this morning in sharing with us about opportunities that we have as a congregation to extend hospitality to those who are not yet here. Our calling is to be a place where people come in and belong. It is a place to belong. But it doesn't stop there. We are also called to be a place where people can come to believe. That's the house of prayer. In addition to inviting hospitality, we are also called to an intimate spirituality. Spirituality, of course, being a word that's thrown about Uh, in our culture today as sort of a vague kind of general uh, sort of thing that's out there. But actually the call that we have is obviously much more specific and precise in that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. What does that look like for us as a house of prayer? And then for all nations, this is the missionality part that we are to be a place to become. So it's a place to belong, a place to believe, and a place to become with intentional missionality. And so we are using the middle part of the book of Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, all the way through chapter 4, Verse 16, we're using kind of that middle portion of the book of Ephesians to sort of lay out this calling that we have as a congregation. The book of Ephesians has been said to be, has been called the gospel of the church. In it, in the book of Ephesians, we have perhaps the most significant and the most um, cohesive understanding of in, in anywhere in Scripture that brings it all together of who we as the church are called to be. And so that's why we're using this particular passage to help us unpack this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, begins uh, what we're going to be looking at today, which is a place to believe. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For this reason. Now, when you see that, 
Well, what is the reason which Paul has that he's, it's, he's just about to burst into prayer, but then he does this extended discursus from uh, verse 2 all the way through verse 13. So he kind of comes back and he does a little backfilling and he says, well, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace, sorry about that, that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason. Now he comes back in verse 14 to where he began. So for this reason, because of the revelation of the mystery of Christ, because of the revelation of the reconciling power of Christ, which he laid out very powerfully for us in chapter 2, verse 11, because He Himself is our peace, as Ephesians 2.14 says, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, His purpose to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. Because of the reconciling power of Christ, who has broken down the dividing wall between us and God, and between us and one another. Because of this great mystery that has been revealed to Paul, the revelation of the power of the reconciliation of Christ. For this reason, now, Paul gives us a picture of what it means to be the church, a place to believe. For this reason, verse 14, I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep 
is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably, exceedingly more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh my. Well, this is a scripture that you and I could meditate on and should meditate on on a regular basis and pray and pray back to the Lord over and over again. It is a scripture which is filled with the heart of God for His people. And I just want to take just a few moments to unpack very quickly for you some of the richness of what Paul's praying because it is directly related to our calling as a house of prayer for all nations being a place to believe. Here is what this means. This is what God intends for those of us who are a part of His family whether we're part of this particular local expression of that or a part of the church worldwide. Because this prayer, Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God's got a big, big house. He's got a big, big family. It stretches for generations, across nations, across, you know, all, any boundary that we would think about from a natural perspective. His whole family, in heaven and on earth, derives its name. And here's what he prays. I pray that first of all, out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Here's the, here's the first thing of, of what it means when, when we're talking about... What we're, what we're talking about here is the, the wellspring of being a place where the presence of God is, is at work the first thing that Paul prays for is that as we come into relationship with the living God, that we will be strengthened with power in our inner being. Now our inner being is the very thing that makes us human and sets us apart from all other creatures. It has to do with our heart, our mind, our will, our spirit. It's the very thing which reflects the image of God. That is our inner being. This is just a temporary tent. It doesn't mean that it's unimportant, because it is important. You know, the Bible integrates body, soul, and spirit. 
But when he's talking here and he's praying for us, he's praying that we be strengthened with power in our inner being. Now, a couple of scriptures that will help flesh this out for us. Earlier in Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19a, um, Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, that's a strange picture. Think about a heart with eyes in it. But he's talking about that inner being may be enlightened, may be opened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. He goes on to describe what that power is. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power that you would be strengthened in your inner being with that power. Therefore, we don't lose heart. He says in his letter to the Corinthians, the second letter, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Though outwardly we may be wasting away, inwardly in our inner being, we are being renewed day by day. This is, in some ways, it's so intuitive that it's hard for us to even wrap our minds around what Paul's praying. But just... Let it soak into your spirit and pray and ask for one another and for yourself that you would be strengthened with power in your inner being, with the might of the Lord, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now it's very interesting here. The word Paul uses for dwell. There's a couple of words that in the Greek that can be used for dwelling. One means temporary lodging. The other means permanent residence. Which do you think Paul uses here? Permanent residence. And I don't know, many of you I do know have had the experience of somebody coming to live inside of your home. If you've got children, you know what that's like. All of a sudden, they're permanent residents. Or maybe you've had someone else, a relative, a friend, a family, an individual who's come. And when they take up permanent residence in your home, it changes the dynamics, doesn't it? 
what Paul is saying here is that Christ wants to come and take a permanent residence in your life. And when He takes a permanent residence in your life, He is taking up the central role in who you are and in all that you do. He becomes the very center of your existence. Let me flesh this out again. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Christ is living in you. The greatest desire that He has is to come and take a permanent residence in your life. Not just a temporary lodger. home in you. It's being rooted and established in love. Being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the saints. He uses two words here. One is organic and one is architectural. The organic, the biological one says that your roots will go down into the earth. The architectural is that that your foundations will be established and laid. He says a similar thing in Colossians. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Here is His desire for us. He is looking for deep transformation. This is not something superficial. This is something that goes down. It's that radical. We've talked about radical shift. Going back to the very roots. The word radical means go back to the root. And Paul's prayer for us, for his people, and if we are to be a place to believe, a house of prayer, then God wants to get a hold of our roots and put them down deep. And He wants to dig the foundations deep in our lives. Not simply a cultural or consumer, superficial Christianity. A little bit of a veneer that's sort of slapped on over our life. No. That's not what it's about. That's not what he's interested in. He is interested in changing your life from the inside out. Completely. He's not just doing a renovation, he's doing a rebuild. All right? Grasping together the love of Christ. This is something you'll hear around here a lot if you hang hang around a bit. But you're going to hear it again because 
it's essential to our understanding of the gospel. Because we live in an individualized consumer culture, we have frequently reduced the Christian faith to an individualistic um, kind of faith where it's, you know, me and Jesus, God is my co-pilot or whatever, which is, anyway, that's heretical to begin with, but anyway, that we won't go there. But it's just reduced to just this sort of individualistic, isolated experience that I have me and God. The Bible is filled hardly ever with I and me. It's all about us and we. The Bible is filled. In fact, most of the commands in the scripture that say you are not speaking of singular you, but plural you. The heart of God is for us and for we. And it is together with all the saints that we grasp the love of Christ. God bless you, Arthur. Here you are again. I get to use you again. (laughs) I need Arthur to understand more the love of Christ. Because he sees the love of Christ from out of his heart in ways and experience in ways that are different from the ways that I have seen or experienced the love of Christ. So has Jeanette. With her experiences, with her life, and with her life experience, she has experienced and understands the love of Christ. And each and every one of us, it is together with all the saints. We need one another. You cannot experience a genuine and true full-orbed experience of the love of Christ outside of living and existing and being within the context of community. We need each other. We, we desperately need one another. It's one of the things that I value so much in this particular congregation is because of, with all of the variety of experiences and backgrounds and cultures and understandings and all of that, that God has given us a richness right here to help us grasp. May the Lord make your love increase, Paul writing again, and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of His holy ones. This is His heart for us. That the love that we understand and have experienced of God will then overflow to one another. And together we will experience something that we could never experience in isolation and alone. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. Prayed about this before the service this morning. I still don't fully understand this. I mean, Paul just, it's like he's building and he's walking up this stairway and now he gets up into the, I mean, he's in the Himalayas. He's at the top of the mountain and he's saying, here's my prayer for you, that you would be filled with all of the fullness of God. All the weight of His glory, all of the fullness of His character. 
All of His gifts and graces filled to the measure of all the fullness. Can you imagine? But that's the prayer. That's the direction. That's where He's taking us. He confirms it in several places. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Again, this is His prayer for us corporately, not only individually, but corporately. Filled to the fullness. I don't know about what's happening in anybody else, but it feels like it's getting fuller and fuller. That's what it's feeling like to me. It's just a fullness of His presence. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There's a process of transformation that is happening in our lives being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And just so you don't miss it, verse 20 and 21, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Paul's asked and imagined some fairly big things here, but He is able to do more than that according to the power that is work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able to perform His Word, which He has spoken to us. Tiffany is going to bring a brief testimony um, related to her experience in terms of coming to that place of believing in the context of an Alpha Holy Spirit weekend retreat. And then I'm going to close and we'll be done. In the past, um, Pastor Jim has talked about divine markers, um, times when God has done something significant in your life. Um, the first marker was when I accepted Jesus as my Savior in my senior year in college. Um, but the thing was, I had really no foundation. Um, I come from a family that did not, well, we believed in God, but we believed the lie that good people go to heaven. Um, so first, really, because I needed God emotionally as a father, he revealed himself to me as the father, and then I was introduced to Jesus. Um, but then after that year in college, things kind of went stagnant, and I started to ask God, well, are you real? I had head knowledge, but I did not have any knowledge in my heart of God, because I didn't have a background of it. I didn't know what I was doing. I even prayed the sinner's prayer like three times because I didn't know if something was supposed to happen or not. Um, so I was kind of like a fish um, swimming without a school, so to speak, um, until I was brought here. And I think the first year or the second year I attended Alpha, somebody invited me. Um, and I also wanted to attend because I knew I needed foundational things. Um, but what really impacted me was the Holy Spirit weekend. 
Again, I was asking God if he was real, and I hadn't been introduced to the Holy Spirit yet. Um, And so that weekend, I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was seven years ago, or six. Um, Pastor Jim had read a verse in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And that was the one of the first times I knew that I knew that I knew I was hearing God's voice. My heart started beating out of my chest. And I was like, okay, God, I know you're speaking. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And um, so afterwards, in the prayer time, we were um, in a circle. Pastor Jim comes around, and God speaks to him, or through him. Um, and he basically says, Tiffany, ask. Um, and I barely got two words out, Jesus maybe, and God just came. The power of God just came. And it was one of those divine markers. It was the second marker in my life. And... Um, he just, he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and he had begun a healing process in my life um, that day, because I had a lot of emotional baggage, and he just wanted to come with his love and reveal himself to me, and um, that has not stopped since, and actually, as I was thinking about what I was going to say today, God spoke to me, and he said, I never stop healing. Let me say that again. I never stop healing. And I'm kind of a testimony to that because every time I think I'm done, I'm not. And he comes and shows me something else. Um, So I really felt like he wanted me to say that today. And um, it was just a reminder, too, of, well, what is it? You know, we talk about a place to believe but also, what is it that we are believing? Are we believing the truth? Or are we believing things that Satan tries to put in our minds? And um, uh, Thursday night, I was at Women on Fire. And there was a song, uh, a chorus of a song that really touched my heart. And God kind of said, that, you know, there's a connection here with this and the message, and I didn't know what it was going to be about. But um, anyway, I just thought I would read this chorus. I believe you are my healer. I believe you are all that I need. I believe you are my portion. I believe you are more than enough for me. Jesus, you are all I need. And so I just want to thank God, that um, it doesn't matter how much baggage we have, he will come and he will deal with it and he will not stop. All right. Well, you know, I hope you're catching a theme today, maybe, you know. I think God's uh, after something in us. All right, so practically as we walk this out, um, the early church, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe, many wonders and miraculous signs done by the apostles. The believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, breaking bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as a place to believe, we are called to be devoted to the word. As Tiffany was just saying, what are we believing? All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God, woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to have to be rooted and grounded, you have to be rooted and grounded in this, the Word of God. It's, it's you know, um, you get a lot of scripture on Sunday morning. Maybe it would be helpful if you don't have a, a particular pattern of scripture reading. Maybe it would take some of the scriptures... There's been at least a dozen here today. We can email those to you easily. Liz would be happy to email those uh, out to you for you to just wash in, just to, 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 to spend time in and to meditate on. And, you know, I'm giving you a, a buffet this morning. You've got to work it out through the rest of the week and allow the Lord to continue to take this and work it in your soul, all right? Devoted to fellowship. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm so grateful for Peg's testimony of people coming out of isolation saying, you know what, I need you, I need some help. Okay, we try to do it on our own. I mean, they, in, in the early church, they sold their stuff and gave it to each other because they recognized that they needed each other. Everything that we have is not ours. It's his, and we're stewards of it, to give it away as God, intent, as God tells us to do. Our time, our energy, our resources, whatever it is, it's not ours to own. We don't hang on to it. We're stewards of it for him and into the life of his people. Devoted to fellowship. Devoted to prayer and worship. Pray continually, Paul says. Through Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, a fruit of lips to confess His name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Our worship is something that happens here on Sunday morning. Our worship is something that happens every day of the week. It happens in your office. It happens at your school. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in your home. You are to continually offer up worship to the Lord and pray continuously as your life simply breathes in and out the very life-giving presence of God. Okay? That is His call to us. That's what it means to be in a place that believes. It is devoted to welcoming others. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to the shore and they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. There is a net here that God is weaving and making among us Millie referenced Ezekiel chapter 47 and the river of God and the casting of nets. We are to be casting nets together. It is not individual fishing poles, but together with these. And we're going to talk about this more next week with these knots and uh, the things that tie us together and bind our hearts together and the varieties of gifts and graces that are upon each of our lives together we become that place to become. And so that's where we're going next week. So come on back, and uh, we will be completing the series next Sunday. If